Welcome to episode 35 of the Fun Engagement Pod, a chat with Director of Professional Game Relations at the Football Association, Andy Ambler. He's responsible for overseeing relationships and ensuring input from the Football Supporters Association as well as clubs and other stakeholders. Andy used to run Millwall and before that Fulham under quite different owners, John Berylson and Mohamed Fayed. At Millwall they had a fan on the board and still do. He has a fantastic level of insight when it comes to how clubs and their owners think and how fan engagement is done well. He's a big advocate of listening and working proactively with fans and their representatives and applies those principles to what he now does for the FA. Alongside plenty of great insights on fan engagement, we also touch on some areas of regulation, particularly the misunderstandings that some fans have about who is and isn't responsible for what and why. Don't forget we've got loads of other episodes, including the new Baz Chat, where we take a particular look at activations, sponsorships and partnerships between brands and rights holders with a fan engagement flavour with a real expert in the field, Baz Schneider. Due to circumstances beyond my control, the next episode will be out this Thursday, the 4th of March. We'll return to the regular date of the last Thursday every month for the scheduled March episode. Listen via the usual channels, search Fan Engagement Pod and join the Fan Engagement Network at faninsights.co.uk forward slash network forward slash join. Whilst I've got you, dear listener, we'd love some feedback from you about the pod. We set up a survey that will only take a couple of minutes to complete. It's at tinyurl.com forward slash fan engagement pod. That's tinyurl.com forward slash fan engagement pod. This stuff is the future. This stuff is the future. This stuff is the future. You, your, your role, um, just so people and uh, uh, um, on top of on top of it, people might have heard of you having been having run Fulham and Mill, their Millwall, <clears throat> um, but you now work for the FA. Can you just explain what your actual role is, um, please, and, yeah, what, and what, also what le- also what level it operates at? So where, where where are you in the FA tree, as it were? Well, it's. The job title is Director of Professional Game Relations. Um, it's a member of the senior management team, which is the, the senior management team is obviously headed up by the chief executive and it's the, the team that's below the board. Um, and, but I won't go into the complex structure of committees and everything else at the FA because that would take the whole of this uh, recording probably. Um, but let me, I mean, look, four and a half years ago, the role didn't exist. Um, I was in a fortunate position um, of obviously being at Millwall, being Chief Executive at Millwall, being on the Football League board. Uh, I'd also been um, a, on council of the FA as, as, as part of that role. And, um, and then I got to see a little bit of the inside of the FA. And it's fair to say that previous to that, I was probably quite critical of the FA in terms of how they reached out to their stakeholders. Um, but when I was on council, I saw, you know, Martin Glenn was then new to the FA. I saw the new strategy that they were trying to put in. And I was quite impressed um, with what they were trying to achieve, really, Kev. So, um, but what it lacked was, for me anyway, it lacked somebody with the experience of, of as you say, being involved in a football club, 
the chief executive of a football club. It, that club experience is, was lacking in the FA, I felt. Um, so did they. And I think that the, the, the role came about because the Premier League, the AFL, a, a lobbied Martin Glenn say, could, could, we, could you think about having some more club experience within your senior management team in, in, broadly? So that was how it was created. I was lucky enough to, to it, could have been any, it could have been anybody that had been sort of had my background, I guess. Um, so I came in to the FA, as I said, and basically it was all about making sure that um, the, the way that clubs think was represented uh, in decisions that the FA makes. So, uh, you know, it was key to me that the, the focus should be whether it's player registration, whether it's um, refereeing I look after, whether it's the FA Cup whether it's the way that um, St George's Park sort of liaise with clubs on, on England players. And it should be that we should be treating clubs as, as the customer uh, it, rather than, you know, what had probably gone before. So that, that's, been, um, that's been what I do. I, I, you know, I, know, I know a lot of people at the, at the clubs, not everybody, because people move. But, uh, and it was just being that person. I mean, from a club perspective, they were quite happy. They saw that, thought they got somebody from the inside, if you like, within the FA. And um, so it's all about making sure that we collaborated better with the leagues and the clubs um, and other stakeholders, as, as you said, as, and the FSA included. So that was uh, that's as brief as I can be. <laughs> no, well, it's sort of it, it's important for people understand, to understand that as much as um, we could sit all day and talk about regulation and where where I think and other people think regulation doesn't work enough and where maybe there needs to be, you know, more reach or almost more of a return to to, 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 to the FA reaching into regulation like it sort of used to, I suppose, before sort of before 2013, 14, I suppose, and the Greg Dyke, um, the work that Greg Dyke did, um, the chairman's review, this role is not about regulation. It's actually about culture. And um, it's a it's what I, you know, being a very, very pleased to say being a public relations practitioner, this is a public relations role. Um, it's about looking at what the relationships are like, what they need, and it's not necessarily um, you're not you're you're, you're kind of a, a, a correct me if I'm wrong you know you you you're you're a sort of intelligence gatherer in one part um, you know you feedback how people are feeling you can give information about what's the what's the general attitude at the moment towards COVID for example and the return you can you'll be able to feedback a sense of what it might be like at the various levels, you know, and then I presume also because of your conversations, and we'll come on to that with fans representatives, you'll be able to come back and 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 talk about those issues as well from their perspective. So that, yeah. is that right? I think I think it's about it's about collaboration. I think it's about so in in terms of discussions with the Premier League and the AFL, I was on the board of the AFL, so I could just give that angle to the FA executive, if you like, that they probably didn't have. I could give them the experience that I've had. I could. Yeah, so basically, when we looked at the uh, mid-season player break with the Premier League, right, it was it was in interesting because I could actually say, I could talk about that to my colleagues at the FA from a point of view of how would a club think? What's the club's thought process in wanting it? Do they really want it? And and it, that was just one example of then us managing to get that deal done with the Premier League. Brexit has been an obviously we've been talking with clubs, liaising with clubs for two years. On, on the direction of travel on, on Brexit. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's as simple as, as making sure that 
And it's not rocket science for me. It's making sure that one of your key stakeholders is represented or their thoughts are represented. Of course, we have meetings with clubs. And of course, we, we do uh, consult in the game. But it's just, as I said, it, it's just making sure that somebody with, I guess, um, my first thought about when any, even regulations, I'm not, I'm not the keeper of regulations, that'll be the legal team and everything else. But the, the, when, we're, when we're looking at bringing a new regulation or amending it, I could just say, well, actually, if you're sitting as chief executive of a championship club, you might, you might be thinking slightly differently. Or you, you think about the process that they'll be going through when, you, when they get this. And so that's been pretty invaluable, I think, so far. And, and uh, it's been well, well received. Yeah, good. I mean, it is definitely a very positive thing, I think, it, um, even if it's if it's only relatively new still in terms of the life the lifespan of the FA. <laughs> it's um, yeah. it's not been around for a long time, but a valuable piece of insight um, in terms of uh, fat. We're looking at fans. Um, the, I suppose the bit that's always I've always been curious about um, and I've sort of thought about this on and off is when it comes to, and people aren't necessarily clear on this, is when it comes to actually who the participants are in football, if we look at the sort of rule book of football, the FA rule book, participants are, are players, um, uh, referees, um, clubs, I think it is. I'm not sure managers are listed in there, um, but I suppose they come under the overall banner. Yeah. And the bit the bit that's sort of interesting is, is that fans are not mentioned in there. But I suppose because the rule book is about the playing of the game and that, you know, that applies down to all the way down to level 9, 10, 11. And you're, you're talking about <clears throat> common rules yeah. for clubs that have no thought of fans because they just don't have them. They have volunteers running games and teams. But it is it... I suppose... In terms of our, our whole sort of lots of people talking about fan as a stakeholder, the interesting bit is, well, they are, of course they are, but to, they are in, and they are in the professional game. They are undoubtedly in National League and further down, but they're not as straightforward a, a stakeholder as the player, as the club, because there's a point at which the fan doesn't really you know, for the for the purposes of setting the overall sort of uh, structure and culture of the FA, um, fans are, are in a specific place. They're not. Do you, do you see what I mean? It's not. It's not. They're not as easy a fit, perhaps. In, in terms of any 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 sport, right? Uh, the governing body has to set the rules and regulations for that sport and how it operates, which doesn't include fans, right? Now, it doesn't mean that fans aren't front and center. Because without fans, what are we, right? And so basically, the, and I think that sometimes people think that people working at the FA aren't fans. We're all fans. We're all, we're all fans of different clubs. We're all fans of football. Uh, I guarantee that. We're all passionate about football. The one thing I've, I've noticed coming into the FA that I didn't realise, I didn't, I, I saw the FA from afar before I got, got there, Kev. It's almost like a civil servants, and, and that's doing them a massive disservice to the people that I've now learned and learned to and worked with because they're passionate about the game. They're passionate about doing the right thing. And of course, they're all, as I say, they're all fans. So, um, I think fans are represented. It's just not in that formalised manner of rules and regulations. But fans wouldn't want that either, by the way. There's no way fans would want a rule book from the FA on how they behave because it's 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 done by you know it's done in a different method, isn't it? Every ground's got ground regs. Every we've got we've got we've got law, 
right? Um, so I think, um, but but we think about fans at the FA front and centre, and I know people go, oh, yeah, here we go, but we do. And when I look about back, so part of my role is to look after the FA Cup, which uh, is a massive privilege to look after that, that competition. And, and I've been liaising with, with fan groups in the FSA since I started on things like um, scheduling of replays, TV schedules, you know, the same, the, the sort of thing that really does um, affect fans on, you know, how come we have to go and play up in the north on a Friday night, 7.30 when we can't get there, et cetera, et cetera. The price for FA Cup final tickets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, I, I do think we've got, a, a, we, we focus on, on fans and, and I have very loads of meetings with them. And, and again, Kev, you know, you know, as well as I did my time at Millwall, um, I used to do a lot of fan engagement there and that club does it, does it very well, I think, um, fan on the board, et cetera, et cetera. So again, that's part of my experience I've taken into the FA and say, say thing, you know, so again, it's talking to the teams there, be it the marketing teams there, and say, look, we're missing an absolute trick if we don't include uh, the fans front and center. And I think, I think there has been a step change, not not my uh, my doing, but if you look at the World Cup in Russia, I think we did we did do it right. We did engage better. We did make sure that that fans were represented in when you looked at the way that we announced the squads, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I, I think I think we are moving in the right direction. Um, and then you can talk about regulation uh, and changing in regulation. We we've had many meetings with the FSA and. Um, and we can come on to that in a second if you like, Kev. If that's but but we there are a lot of the ideas that the fans have come up with 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 their um, um, manifesto, if you like, um, that have been amended in regulations. Not not just by us at the FA, but by the EFL and, and PL actually. Hi, I just want to take a quick moment to tell you about Match Day Digital, the world's first football first digital magazine platform bringing together premium paid content from clubs match day programs popular football magazines newspapers and high quality fan produced fanzines it's quite the list uh, match day digital brings football content and supporters together in a single app which allows clubs and other publishers to deliver their content to a much wider audience than they would through their own print or digital sites and apps all especially relevant obviously during this covid era you can download the app on Google Play and Apple Store. Go to matchdaydigital.co.uk for more. And if you're a club, drop the fellas over there a line. They're really friendly, and I'm sure they'd love a chat with you about your needs. How, how um, just a, on a sort of slight diversion, well, not not really a diversion, just taking a fork in the road, if you like. How um, it personally frustrates me <laughs> that quite a lot of people who should know better. Um, who talk about, um, and they often come from the sort of activist end of things, um, who talk about regulation and they say this needs to be changed. I find it really frustrating that they don't always understand, they don't seem to understand when they do speak, so, this is some of them, that when it comes down to it, whether you like it or not, the leagues are essentially competitions organised by the clubs, owned by the clubs. Yes, the and, and you know, and when it comes to anything from the EFL to the Premier League, the, re the, the level of regulation is pretty light touch when it comes to um, setting the rule book. You know, outside of the playing side, really, a lot of it is quite light touch. It's not meant to be, um, you, you know, you're not interventionist. You're particularly not interventionist since, you know, really, as I say, I think really since the Greg Dyke 
report and I think it meant the FA pulled back a little bit and said fine well that's your space you regulate you you deal with that there and it gave you the room to breathe to develop the participation particularly yeah but do you find that there is a big knowledge gap when it comes to people talking about well what you see what needs to happen is is the FA need to intervene and they need to change this so that clubs behave better do, do they not understand what all the dynamics are here? I mean, no, and I don't, I think, I don't think they do, Kev. I think you're absolutely right. I think people look to the FA to solve everything, right? I think that's what you're alluding to. So you're right. The Premier League rulebook and the EFL rulebook are pretty big, chunky documents, right? And we, 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 the FA sanction those rules, right? So they become part of the FA rules by default. So those, those, um, those rules are voted in by their shareholders, the shareholders of the EFL and the PL are their clubs, their member clubs, their member club, you know, environments, if you like. And we have to, we have to sanction them, which goes through a, a structure in the FA through, through a, um, through a system, if you like, through a committee structure. And that's how they become part of the FA, FA rules. So the FA rule book is some, some places, you know, and I'm not a lawyer, right? But I think some places is a bit quirk, a bit old, a bit clunky, probably needs a bit of a rewrite in certain areas. But that's, you know, we're not unique in terms of governing bodies of, of how these things have developed and just moved on. Um, but, you know, I do think people misunderstand the role of the FA at times and they look to the FA, you know, it's a bit like, uh, I'm trying to think of an example now. Um, um, well, I was, again, uh, PGMOL, right, looks after the professional referees in this country. Um, so when you, again, that, that will confuse people in terms of um, Mike Dean getting abused on social media. Why didn't the FA come out and, 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 uh, 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 and make a strong stance of that? First and foremost, because he's employed by the PGMOL, of which we own a third of, by the way, with the Premier League and the AFL. So there's a system there where the, the employer... Uh, has got a duty of care to make sure it supports Mike first. And of course, we'll, we'll support Mike Dean. And we did. Uh, we, you know, a colleague of mine spoke to him for, uh, at length and, and Mike was grateful for the support he's getting from us. Um, but that's probably that's a poor example. But there are other examples of where people always look to the FA. Why aren't the FA doing this? Why aren't they doing that? Well, actually, that's not our role in the game. It's our role at the forefront. What we should do is make sure that the... The, the clubs and the leagues cannot do something that is a detriment to our national sport, that is not in keeping with where we... So, And if they try to do that, that's where we will be interventionist, to your point. Definitely, without a shame. And of course, so I suppose... Yeah, and I suppose the problem is sometimes that people misunderstand what detriment might mean. Um, and they'll say, yeah, well, you know, clubs going bust is to the detriment of the sport. Well, yeah, at the end of the process it is, but actually, in terms of controlling those issues, that's an internal issue for those leagues, largely, unless it affects football creditors or the individual or the individual clubs. So, for example, yeah. we're we're working extraordinarily hard at the moment with the national league system. That was a lot of leagues in that system, as you know, to stop anybody from going bust. You know, with government, with everybody else, to 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 do all we possibly can. There's been a lot of money that's been uh, we, we've we've fought for a lot of money. Um, through government now there are there are disagreements whether they should be loans and grants and I won't go into that now but you know it, it's our job to do that I mean I, it, it's, it's our job to actually save clubs where we can it's not our job to and it's our job to make sure the owners and directors test or that you know we all know about that that situation but 
when somebody takes on a club and they do it with everything above board and everything's fine, it's very, very difficult, isn't it, to actually stop those owners from doing something drastically wrong for that football club. I mean, and therein lies one of the major issues that we've got. How do we stop something going wrong um, once it once it starts, um, mm. Barry being the the obvious example, if you like, and yeah. I think we're all learning lessons on that. But again, it's very difficult to be um, too robust in 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 your uh, regulations because you'll never have a club owner coming in. You know, fans would hate that as well. You know, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say it. You don't have to say it or agree with it or anything. If you're going to start addressing all of that, you're going to have to address. The position of the national game, the counties in it. Um, you can't just start, you know, having a group of people on the one side, the, say the national game part of it, perhaps flexing their muscles or being seen to be flexing their muscles and taking, you know, beginning to take decisions that affect professional clubs without the professional clubs needing to have a position on it. And and then you create a, well, you know, the end point is is no one gets on with each other and you can't make decisions. And that's sort of where we were. 10 or 15 years ago and I'd like to think by the looks of it I think we've come I think we've come we've gone past that now and, and yeah, it seems definitely, Kev. We, you know but if you want to look at the FA structure it, below the FA board is a professional game board and a national game board right and that's how the split is but that and that's right for me um and, and um what you don't want is is although you know board has got ultimate power you don't want to get people opining or making decisions on part of the game that they're not qualified to do so. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, the, the council is a much maligned um, group of, of people, but actually I've sat on council. It, it's, it's, it should be given much more credit than it's given. These, a lot of these guys are guys are, are men and women are, are, um, are volunteers. A lot of them put in all sorts of hours into the game Um and actually, they, they, they do what they think is right for the, for the game. Of course, people are always mindful of the, the area of the game that they, they oversee or, or look after. They're going to try and look after that more than, more than most. But um, no, I, I agree with you. Um, mm. But, you know, we, you, you can't, there's no such thing as a perfect, a perfect world in terms of regulation. Mm. Um, but I do think that we are willing to listen. I do think we are willing to change. And I do think, not just us, but the clubs and the leagues are are prepared to do that. Um, and I, I think we we have done that. Um, if you come on to the FSA, um, we've had various meetings of the FSA. You, you're right in what you say. I mean, but some some an element of the of of of, the, of that group of people will say we haven't done enough. There'll be elements say actually they've moved quite quite you know with us quite well. Um, I deal with uh, with Malcolm Clark and Tom Greatrix a lot because they're they're the FA Council representatives. From that uh, from the FSA, um, and you know, I'm absolutely that they they would tell you. Um, I don't hold anything back. If they ask a question, they'll get an answer and they'll get the truth. They'll get the honest honest answer. But there's there's nothing to hide. So, any Andy, um, just I wanted to quickly take it on to um, the um, a little bit more onto the way that football. Um, clubs and football as a whole I suppose relates to fans and I mentioned before we came on before we started recording that I'd published an article about um, a, a, a sports business conference the FT football business conference that had not that had absent-mindedly not invited a, uh, um, one of the many 
very excellent fan organisations, one of which obviously supports Direct Europe I used to work for, but um, uh, to, to that conference as a ma- you know, major stakeholder in the game. But it's not picking on the FT, because actually Muad Ahmed, the, the sports editor, was you know straight away, straight on it, said, yeah, oversight. And I presume he was responsible for ensuring that SD Europe got an invite. That's that aside, it just flagged up a lot, um, and and it was noticed by Martin Cloak, the chair of the Spurs Trust, who writes independently on on football, uh, on his blog called the Football Fan, uh, on Substack, and he said something similar, um, completely independent of me. I, you know, I I mean, I I find that there is a lot of positive. Um, work done by a lot of football clubs not not enough I hasten to add in my view at the senior level I think there are loads of really good people and I discover more and more the more I work in it a lot of people doing hidden hidden really really good work and trying really trying to affect a change in the way that relationships are, are, are managed and they know that this is important but um, is do sometimes does sometimes football talk a good game on it but actually, you know, and says, yeah, well, you know, football, you know, football has a major stakeholder in the fans. And then you find, like I do, that the actual practice of it can be a bit lacking and that you look at it and go, well, OK, good, excellent. I'm glad you say it. But, you know, what you do matters here. Does it? Do you find there's a gap between what's said and what's done, basically? That's the short, that's the long and short of it, really. I think there can be, Kev. I think you're right. I think, I think. You know, clubs clubs have these owners that pass through, as we know. Um, some of them are better at this than others. Some of them it's in their culture to to engage, and some it isn't. Um, you know, I, I, from my experience um, being at Fulham with with Mohamed Al Fayed, I don't think he understood it to start with. But then I think we got the fan engagement, you know, piece okay. Uh, as, as that went on, it helped that he was injecting sort of, you know, hell of a lot of money back then and getting him into the Premier League. So he was loved by the fans anyway. Um, but I think I, I think uh, some some owners, um, some people um, who are multi-billionaires, if you like, I don't think they it's their it's their main focus. I don't think they really think they need to do it. I think I think they. That's that's to their detriment. I think the better ones, and let me again. I'll go back to Millwall with John Berylson, who's been there what nearly fifteen years now. I think um, there is you, you know, you're not going to get a much better owner than than someone like that who's taken that club on, saved it from another administration, and continued to invest in it, and and values fan engagement. I mean, you know, again, we've we've had this discussion privately, but. When I joined there, I was amazed amazed to find there was a fan on the board. Now, when that fan on the board wasn't just on the board or attended board meetings, it was a director of the board, right? With all the responsibilities that came came with, and and John made the decision to to, to do that straight away. John Berylson and, and Pete Garston was that guy that had the respect of the fans, which is important. But ultimately, for me, it was it was, it was relatively new, and I was chief executive. And I was thinking, how's this going to work? But I was amazed how how that helped me in my role. It just helped me understand the club, the way the fans were thinking. It helped it, it, it and, and it, it, the, the area I think it helped a lot is, is when you do get into disagreements with fan groups, 
Yeah, you're going to move them from some season ticket area to another. Well, I remember that. Whether you know when you impose um, uh, ground regs, or, or you're going to do something with ticketing, or, or unfortunately you have you have somebody that that has been ejected and, and banned. What do you do with that? It it was it was um, it was a really good example, I think, of how a club should should deal and respect respect its fans. Um, I'm sure not every fan at Millwall will say we got it right at the time. I think we did all right. But I also noticed at the same time there was other clubs around that were doing a brilliant job for their fans. I remember Cardiff City being doing a fantastic job down there when they opened their new stadium. There was a really good examples, but then there were some really bad ones. And I could never understand why. And I, I still can't. I can only assume that certain board members, chief executives are almost frightened to engage with the fans. They're almost like, oh, do I really, I feel uncomfortable about it for some reason. Uh, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, for one minute sort of criticizing the, the, these, these people, but I, I found it really rewarding. I have to say, um, and I think we've got to get them over that hurdle. And I think that's where probably what we should be looking at Kev is, a little bit more coaching, if you like, of, of the roles of, of chief executive and customer service staff at clubs, because football is extraordinarily um, when when you think of the amount of money it invests in players, quite rightly, because they're the they're the they're the, the guys that, that do the work on the pitch. But we invest in education of coaches, of managers, of physio, every, all the surround of surroundings. But there doesn't seem to be any anybody really that gives us a support mechanism to chief executives and, and the senior executives within the clubs. Yeah. So you've got the LMA look after managers, PFA look after the players. Where's that support mechanism to actually just coach the, the executives at clubs of how, what is good practice? Mm. And I think you can point to, maybe that's an area that I'd like to discuss more with the FSA, but then you know, you've got it's got to be a two-way street, hasn't it? So it, it... yeah. No, no, it's no, and it actually is a really, really good point. Um, uh, um, that you've got to be careful with all these things of making assumptions that, um, well, why don't you get it? You know, and why don't they understand? And why don't they seek the support and the help? Well, part, you know, I always come back to the point that I learned a lot from talking to people like yourself. Um. Uh, as another victim of of, of my um, diploma, you know, another person I interviewed for my diploma and learned a lot from that process of talking to people like yourself and Paul, um, Barbara at Brighton and, um, and, and lots of other um, people in the game running football clubs, that it moves so damn fast and the, the pressure is, is very, very high octane at times. And then when you look at the situation we're in at the moment, yeah, I would say that there are a lot of clubs who are missing a trick in not retaining the levels of communication you do see at the top performing ones in terms of fan engagement but who's 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 kind of explaining how these places are run because i think a lot of people come in and they're seen as sporting organizations but they're not always understood to be these these um you know these these institutions and i'm not even sure necessarily that that um it, that the fsa should this is just a personal view, then they might, I think they have a role in one sense, but, you know, I think part of it is sort of the professionalization of the profession, you know, as much as people don't like 
talking about football as a business, we all know it is. It's just a very particular type of business mm. and it needs to have better service and better professional support. And like you said, the LMA exists for the managers who exist to support some of these professional staff and, and make sure some of that, as I said, really good. There's some really good stuff out there. And I'm always banging on about Norwich and the likes of Lincoln and Doncaster. And yes, Mill definitely, um, Brighton and Everton and Leicester and people like that. But what about, you know, making sure that everyone can be one of those clubs as well and, and copy? Because one of the things that kind of gets, I suppose, gets my gets on my wick a little bit is that, um, is that I hear people saying, well, every club is different. Absolutely, every club is different. But every club is at heart the same mm. because it's the same type of business. And we can all layer the stuff on top of it. And yeah, you know, we all have different enmity towards different groups of fans and we have different reasons why we like this style of play and you know there are certain things that are identified as part of what we are as a club versus someone else which is different but there's a common thread in there isn't there there is there is a common thread kevin because uh, the discussion i used to have with when it was supporters director actually is is their their annual report i used to say you know you used to put your annual report out and it just used to criticize clubs that's all it was doing. It was very, very negative. And it it, it, crit, it criticised regulations, it criticised poorly run clubs. And I said to them, I, I think you're going out for the wrong way. And I think this comes to the heart of fan engagement of, of why some clubs won't do it. Because I think what, the, from the other side, you say to them, why don't you go out there and praise, like you just did, the clubs that are doing it right and show them as good practice. And so if that's the case, then why... That doesn't the uh, the fan reps at a club because if, if you go into a club, I think you're probably thinking, oh, oh god, you know, I've got to meet the fans at a forum or whatever. They're probably just going to moan at me because the burgers are cold, the beer's too, you know, too pricey, whatever it is. All I'm going to get is moaned at, and you know, you get that. There's no doubt about it because fans have opinions on that, quite rightly. But I, I think it was helpful if fans engage with the club with some positives as well. Because everyone doesn't, I mean, you, you, and if you do that, I'm not saying you, you, you blow, blow smoke up people, but what you do is you say, right, I think the club's got this right, but I think you're not doing this right. Because all, all and I think that puts off people, because I think, I think, um, I think the first instance, all you get, so it's, I guess the old adage is nobody writes in to say everything's great, do they? But they do when, they, when, you, when, you, when you're complaining, right? And, and, and again, I, I, I am supporting the chief execs here because when the team's winning, and gets to Wembley and wins a playoff game, it's the manager and the players who get all the praise in the world. The chief exec does is just you know, irrelevant. When the team gets relegated, and I've had both, right? Guess who's to blame? <laughs> and so, you know, it, it, it's natural that that person then is, if we, we, a, lot, a lot of people are talking about mental health at the moment, quite rightly, and, and our mental health of the population. Just think about that, what that does to your, your club's executives. And I'm not again. I, I just think, I just think we should be mindful of, of that as yeah. as well. But so really, the summary on that one was: I used to go to now it's the FSA. I say, look, just praise praise the good, and and then then we'll, we, I think you'll get more people actually engaging with you on then looking at what needs to change. Well, dare I dare I just you know shameless plug about the fan engagement index? That was the purpose of that, and that will be the purpose when it comes out later later in or you know earlier early early springtime so late springtime it would probably be so it's you know that 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 side of it matters an awful lot to me is there just one final thing is there 
is there a um so in that in that thing of you talking about you know praise and that kind of stuff i do i get a sense that the fa are tentative when it comes to um engaging itself in professional game issues which i understand why it's not i'm not saying what i'm not saying is is the fa should be become far more outspoken in terms of what's going on in the professional game it's more tentative now because that's the relate the relationship is now a little bit more distanced intentionally and it appears as though with your role there's a lot more listening and feeding that back into the system making sure the system itself and the fa represents the game much more thoroughly than it was able to before when it didn't have that role um is um (laughs) the question i was going to ask was um ah it's gone um i think the the fa the fa FA is a big beast right it has to it has to it has to cover off every area of the game yeah right and i think therefore um the 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 amount of i I was amazed right i i what do you think you think you know about something when i got there i was like i'm blown away by the, the the number of people the, the, and the, the what, what we have to cover and what we have to do as, as a as a football as a governing body as a football association, um, and it, it, it is amazing because um, you have to be something to somebody you know whether it's the, the you know the, the grassroots grassroots game which is huge as we know uh, all the way up to the Premier League. I do think though um, we do have a bigger role in the professional game than we probably did a few years ago. I think we have broken or mended. Uh, some 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 bridges that were probably broken. I think we do work really well together, and I highlighted that earlier. Things like the play, mid-season player break, etc. So that that would probably have not happened. I think we've, I think we've we we've got trust back between us. But I think that come with that comes that balance of, of again what you're alluding to is, look, Premier League or EFL, you make decisions on that part of the game because actually, we 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 recognise that and, and we respect that. We will make decisions on this part of the game. But as I said earlier, again, but we're not going to allow you to do things that actually will have a major impact on the good of football. We're not going to allow the Premier League to certainly say, I'll tell you what, we'll go two, two relegation points places this year. Not going to happen, right? So I think, I think it's knowing each other's, respecting each other's position, respecting each other's commercial position as well. So if you looked at, you know, obviously when it comes to the, the FA Cup, that's the commercial driver for the FA. That's the thing that brings more money into the FA than anything else. Um, and so, you know, we've got to we've got to work with the leagues respectfully in terms of um, in terms of what we do with fixture compilation on that. Don't forget, as a listener to the Fan Engagement Pod, we would love you to just take a couple of minutes of your day to fill in the quick survey. Please head to tinyurl.com forward slash fan engagement pod. That's tinyurl.com forward slash fan engagement pod.